Hey everybody, welcome to the New Pants Required podcast. I'm your host, Jen Mann. And today I am wearing, I don't want to say no pants, that's not really exactly it, but I mean like a bathrobe. Does a bathrobe count as pants? I have like this snuggy thing that I like to wear. It got a little chilly this week and so the snuggy came out of storage. So I'm in the snuggy today. And today I am interviewing my good friend, Denise Grover Swank. Denise Grover Swank is a New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and USA Today bestselling author. She was born in Kansas City, Missouri, and lived in the area until she was 19. Then she became nomadic, living in five cities, four states, and 10 houses over the course of 10 years before she moved back to her roots. She speaks English and a smattering of Spanish and Chinese, which she learned through an intensive Nick Jr. immersion period. Her hobbies include witty Facebook comments and dancing in the kitchen with her children. Hidden talents include the gift of justification and the ability to drink massive amounts of caffeine and still fall asleep within two minutes. Her lack of the sense of smell allows her to perform many unspeakable tasks. She has six children and hasn't lost her sanity or so she leads you to believe. So today I have Denise Grover Swank with me. And you guys, if you are listening to this podcast and you know who I am, then you know who Denise Grover Swank is. Because Denise and I used to have a podcast together too called Two Midlife Mamas that you should also listen to. It's just on hiatus right now. We just can't figure out when we're going to do it again because Denise is way too busy. But we used to do a podcast together. Denise lives here in Kansas City and she is another author, and she is someone who I think I heard about Denise. Well, I know when I heard about you, Denise. I heard about you back in like 2011. I had just started blogging, and I had just gone viral with a with my Elf on the Shelf blog, and I was trying to figure out how to turn that into a business. And I had a cousin who was working for you, and she was telling me about you, and she was like, oh, you should publish books. And I was like, Oh, no, no, no. I can't do books. I'm just going to blog. Man, I should have published books because at this point, how, how many books do you have, Denise? Do I don't you even know. know. Uh, I used to say 50, at least 50, but I think it's more like at least 60 because I, I co-write too, books. so that like really adds to it. So yeah. Um, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So, so Denise, like I have, you know, 600 blog posts. Denise has 60 books. Like I totally <laughs> went down the wrong path, but Denise has always been somebody who I just, I admire her work ethic. I admire what she does, how she runs her business. And she is a wealth of knowledge. She is such an open book. And it was such a refreshing thing to find because you know, I, especially coming on a blogging, blogging can be a little cutthroat and people are very private and quiet about what blog. they're doing. Oh, I know that. Yeah. I used to blog. Right. Yeah. I forgot about that. You were a mommy blogger back before I was even. So yeah. yeah. And so, you yeah. know, like they're just, they're kind of, you know, they kind of act like there's not enough business for all of us. And, yeah. and then I started hanging out with you and other authors who are either self-published or hybrid or traditional. It doesn't matter. They all just were sort of sharing their ideas. And what I found is even though you and I do not write in the same genre at all, there are so many things, especially the nuts and bolts of this that we can share. Like, you know, you know, Denise is like, here's how you upload books. Here's how you do this, you know, but I kind of want to know, I know. Okay. So you've got 60 books, but like you were a mommy <laughs> blogger back in the day. Why were you, tell me about the blog. Let's start there. I want to know about the blog because okay, I feel well, like. 
Oh, go ahead. You were like, well, you were like a Southern belle, right? Like we've talked about this before. Like you're like, you're like a party planner. And was that what your blog was about? No, 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 no. It was a mommy blog. So I always knew I was going to be an author someday. Like it's like, like one of those deluded things. Like it was just a fact. It was just a matter of when it was going to happen. Right? <laughs> It'll come. It'll come. I started a lot of books, couldn't finish them. So like I had a joke that I didn't have this thing called a plot, which turns out is important. Who knew? Yeah. But So back in the 2000s, this is around 2006, 2007, I found, I heard about this mommy blogger. She went viral. She'd made an eBay post. I think her son had like shoplifted some Pokemon cards. And so she like was selling them on eBay and she had this whole long story about it. And so she like, it went viral. So she started a blog called because I said so. And she had six kids. I think she had six kids. And so she just posted stories about her kids. And I'm like, I got, I got, well, I only had four and I was on my way to get a fifth. So I'm like, I got that. I got kids. <laughs> I can do that. Right? I can write that. And so, yeah, I wrote stories about our crazy life because I adopted two children within a very short period of time as a single parent. So I adopted Emma in October and that whole journey to her in Vietnam was a whole story in of itself. And then, um, but I'd already had paperwork into China, which I'd left when I got her. So I, I call Ryan my accidental adoption because I, <laughs> my paperwork was already there and I found out about him. So I'm like, okay, why not? So I got him the next July. And so I had two small children that were like 15 months apart. We literally flew to China to get Ryan on Emma's first birthday. Like we got on a plane and she Oh came my to goodness. Me. So like my life was absolutely insane because my three youngest were a year and two and a half. And then I had a daughter who just started kindergarten, which I can't believe she just started kindergarten because I just took her to freshman her <laughs> center. No. Her freshman in college. So like I had all these stories. And so I just started writing about it. And so, you know, it was like, I realized that's where I learned the art of storytelling, beginning, a middle, and an end, because I had these stories, but I had to like wrap them up and make them all work. And and it was funny because like I could have like like one of my biggest posts was a trip to Costco that was just an utter fiasco. Like my deb I'd lost my deb Emma lost my debit card. I got it in the mail, ran to Costco, like literally had an overflowing cart and debit card didn't work because I hadn't like got the new pin. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I took three trips to get this car like to the bank and back. And right, so, like I could have like just been sobbing in frustration because we really needed the food from Costco. But I just put a funny spin on it in my blog. So yeah, so that's where I learned humor and storytelling and that kind of thing. And then. 2009, I heard about NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month. And so I told myself, you either do this, you either, you know, it's time to either shit or get off the pot. You write a book, you write a damn book and finish it, or you just quit talking about it, you're going to do it. So I <laughs> plotted it out and I did. I finished it. Like, <laughs> I wrote the whole book. I started November 1st and ended December 10th. 
Yeah. So, and then after that, I, there was no stopping me then because NaNoWriMo is really good about teaching you to write. You have to write every day or almost every day to hit your 50,000. The goal is to hit 50,000 words by the end of the month. And then, you know, you won NaNoWriMo, but it taught me to put writing into my schedule, even if I didn't start writing till nine or 10 o'clock at night, but It's like writing nine, ten o'clock at night till like one or two in the morning because you know I had kids. Yeah, so that's how I got started in blog. And so then when I started writing, I didn't have time to blog and write books. But I wasn't like huge either. So yeah. Anyway, and but my kids love to go back and read those blog posts now because that is the nice thing about. Yeah, that is the nice thing about the blog is they can go back and read all the stuff. It's embarrassing, but they can do it. They can read it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. What was was the first book you wrote? What what was that NaNoWriMo book? Did that one get published? No, it was a romantic suspense about a holistic diet clinic that was murdering people. And I thought it was so clever because the title was So Much to Lose. (laughs) (laughs) So freaking proud of myself over that title. You know what? You can still use that title. Just write a new book to go with it. Now. I know. I keep saying the plot, the premise was good. The book was terrible. Like, oh I was my gonna god! Say, to me, that sounds so like a Netflix show. Like, you know, that just that premise sounds like something Netflix would buy lifetime, tomorrow, right? Yeah. Lifetime, lifetime, lifetime movie. <laughs> yeah. No, I can't. I, I, I think that's the thing about NaNoWriMo. I don't think I've ever I've written through NaNoWriMo, but I've never written anything that was worth like publishing or showing anybody, but it it, it teaches you the discipline. It does. Yes. And I think, and I think yeah. blogging for me, blogging taught me the discipline too. Cause it was like, I had blogged every day. Yeah. And so you just had to get up yeah. and do it. And I did a lot in the middle of the night. And the I thing still, that, that, that I got, got to be a problem for me with blogging. It was like, okay, I got to have content. Right. Yeah. So I'm always looking at my children and what they're doing. I'm like, can I blog about this? Can I, I felt like I spent half my life trying to like figure out, like I would never create things to like blog about, but like I would look at life through the lens of a blogger, like, well, is this blog worthy? Is this blog worthy? And it got a little tiresome at the end. So I was ready to give it up and move on to writing. So yeah. Let's say somebody wants to read that blog though. Where would they find it? Like, I mean, just if I had an hour. It used to have a domain. It was, the title was, of the blog was, there's always room for one more. <laughs> that was kind of the, like, I've always like invited everyone in. Like children. You do. Uh, that is yeah. <laughs> you, you are. That's for sure. But I lost the domain and didn't realize it. And so, cause I mean, that's, pretty I can't imagine someone would snatch that up right so now it's a blog spot so you have to get the blog spot in there and I don't even quite know like I looked it up just a week or so ago and um (laughs) I think it's there's always room for one more dot blogspot blogspot.com yeah okay because yeah I kind of want to go back and read those stories now because I think I think it's funny now that I've met your kids, especially, like, I want to read the stories. I can kind of visualize. I, like, looked at the theme because, you know, we, we bloggers, I don't know if you were back in that. You could buy themes. and Oh, yeah. I did not do that. And, yeah, and have, like, people work, you know, design them for you and stuff. So it's so outdated. <laughs> so <No>. bad. <laughs> my, my blog was just really ugly. And, like, I would get all these, like, emails from people who, who – designed really pretty blogs and they're like we can they're like we can make it really pretty and I'm like no I'm like ugly is kind of my brand thank you (laughs) yeah because like when I was blogging in 2008 and 2009 
perfection was the name of the game. So 100%. I was against the grain because yes. I was so not perfection. Like I was talking to like one of my blog posts is about how my dog ran. It was Scarlet. She ran out into the woods, got came back covered in ticks. And I'm like, I have her on the kitchen island picking ticks off of her and putting them into a, a plastic cup with water. And Ryan, Emma, and then my son's uh, stepson at the time, Gage, they were all like three and four, are sitting at the counter watching me because I'm watching Gage too. And the cup spills over and the water, the tick water, like, starts. <laughs> yeah, it's just that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Don't touch the ticks. Leave them alone. Yeah, so, you know, I was totally not perfection. So, yeah. <laughs> No, well, yeah, you were just ahead of you were just ahead of your time. You had to wait a couple of years. Like I, 2011 was kind of the sweet spot for the you know the the, the shitty moms. So yeah. <laughs> I missed it. You had, yeah, you're a little too soon. You you paved the way for us. Thank you for that. Because <laughs> <laughs> if I if I'd found the hot mess mom who couldn't find her her uh, debit card at Costco, I would have been like, "You're my spirit animal. I need to be with you." I you're know, right? Friend. We could have been friends yeah. back then. We could have been friends we- totally back then. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I, I'm I'm looking here. I have all of like your books in front of me. I'm looking at all your printout here of all your books. It seems like you write in a lot of different genres. Is Yeah, to my detriment, honestly. Is it though? Okay, so that's my question. Is it bad? Because I keep yeah. hearing it's bad to write in different genres, but I'm like, Denise does it. She seems fine. Yeah. Yeah, because readers just don't cross. Like your really diehard readers will cross to different genres, but they typically don't. And there are some genres they'll move, they'll slide across to, but like, you know, I don't write horror, but like horror and romantic comedy are very opposite. But believe it or not, romantic comedy and paranormal, like paranormal urban fantasies, they don't typically mix. So I just kind of fragmented my audience. And so like I was just telling a couple of friends that Shannon Mayer and Christine Gale, uh, they're authors. And so I co-wrote with both of them. So, <laughs> but we're just friends. Anyway, I was telling them just the other day, I'm like, you know, I just need to, I, I feel like I need to pick a lane and stay in it or two. Like I could have two <laughs> lanes, but I can't because I can't just stand one. But just stay in it. But then, but then, typical me. Like um, I have romantic comedy, which I'm co-writing with an author that's doing pretty well. And What's so, that one like I write mystery. And so I want to like I, I've been writing more serious mystery, but I I missed some. I I wrote uh, some darling investigations was a humorous mystery, and Rose Gardner started out as humorous. So I kind of want to do that again. So that's. Mm-hmm. Not the same as romantic comedy. <laughs> I'm already like sliding into a new. <laughs> that surprises me that because like I read across all kinds of genres. I do too. I do too. And, yeah. and so it kind of surprises me that that people won't follow you. I feel like if I like your voice and I like how you write and I like the stories you tell, why wouldn't I read all your yeah. stories? I know. And it's so crazy. is Rose is Rose Gardner? Is she your most popular? Yes. Yes. Yeah, she's how many books are in that series? I and I taught like there was a lot of you know there was a marketing plan, but there was also a lot of luck to get make that series super popular. So back in like 2013, making your first book free, which they called Perma Free, was really popular and was really taking off, and readers would read through to the next book. So I had um I probably have given away about three or four million copies of that first book. 
Crazy. And sold about 300,000 of the second. So, and then, you know, it stays pretty high for a while, like 200 and yeah. yeah. On through. And then I have multiple books in that series. So, so that like helped, but yeah, um, you know, that was my, definitely my most popular series. And then after that was a rom-com series, The Wedding Pact. So oh, yeah, yeah, it did really, really well. That like, is a good series. Yeah. So um, and that, uh, yeah, and those sold, are- the first one, like the first one I made perma-free, so it's hard to gauge with that one, but the second one I've sold over 200,000 copies. So yeah, it's done pretty well. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, whatever. <laughs> There are definitely others who sell much better than me. So there yeah. are, but they're not in this room. So you're doing great. <laughs> this is this is the podcast to be on and, and drop those numbers and be like, I mean, they're all right. And I'm just like, yeah, they're fine. Yeah. They are. But you know, I also found that that books, especially with KU, books don't sell that well anymore. KU is like, what Kindle Unlimited? Is that Kindle Unlimited? It? Yeah, a lot of readers want to get books through Kindle Unlimited, so you don't know how many book how many books they're borrowing if they're actually reading through I mean you can kind of tell through the page reads of the next but you gotta like there's a lot of math involved to figure that out mm-hmm. and math is not my thing so no we're writers so 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 now you can't do the perma free book anymore is that what the you deal can, is you- but it's not nearly as effective so what I found is more effective Instead of, because, you know, we're giving the first book away for free is often what I'll do is advertising for the first book and then try to equal the income with the amount I'm spending on advertising. So it's like a wash. Sure. Uh, So like I'm merely Mm -hmm. making zero dollars on the first book, but I'm trying to get the sell through to the next books. So it's the same as Perma Free, but it's just giving more visibility. So because Perma Free used to give you visibility and it's, yeah, it's just not anymore. So and the sell through is not that great on perma free books. People who are buying, who are getting perma free books, typically, and I know someone personally who told me this. He's like, I never buy a book. I only read free books. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and well, that's okay. I mean, again, it's like yeah. a library. But you right, know, I was gonna say, why don't I just go to the library? But then I feel like, especially, it's one thing to read a perma free book that's a st- standalone book. But if I'm reading the first in a series, I, know, right? I need to know what happens next. Don't I? I? Know, right? Like, how can you just keep reading the first of everything and just be like, well, I hope it ends well for her. <laughs> oh, exactly, right? <laughs> I don't know. I will say though, like for a long time though, I only would read like. Well, I wouldn't say only, but I'd, I'd only kind of take chances on new series if they were on a book bub. You know, like if I could get it for like less than four bucks or something for the first one. And I'd be like, all right, well, let me just try this. And I found so many series of books that I probably would not have read, you know, at full price if I had, you know, what I mean, am I trying to say this right? Like if I had not found it on BookBub first for like less than five bucks or four bucks, bought that first book and been drawn in by that first book, I'm not sure I would have taken a chance on the series. Right. I'm not sure I would have spent, you know, 10 or $12 on the first book that exactly, I don't know anything exactly. about. Exactly. And, and BookBub used to be super effective. It for did. So you could like get a ton of downloads. I mean, I hit USA Today list with a BookBub in the past. Mm-hmm. Just, um, so it moved that many copies, but that's pretty rare these days. It doesn't usually happen. And the sell through is less. I, it's just crazy to me. I think people, a lot of people just hoard their books. Oh, it's on sale. I've been thinking about that book. It's on sale. I'll grab it. And then they don't read it or they don't read mm-hmm. it for a while. And yeah, because it used to be that you would see immediate sell through and you just don't see that anymore. So. Right, right. I feel like you're con- we're constantly trying to figure out what the next thing is. Like, oh, definitely. You know, <laughs> it just 
And to me, that's the exhausting part. Like, I just want to write. Like, I don't want to have to figure out how to sell these damn books. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'll be honest. Part of me is tired of the game of that part of it. Like, trying to, like, yeah. figure out, oh, how do I get the readers? And sometimes I get excited about it. It used to be, like, a challenge to me. Like, oh, okay, well, I'll, I'm ready to take this on. But it's getting a little, I don't know. Like, advertising took me a long time to understand especially mm-hmm. like Facebook and Amazon advertising. And, and I feel like I, I can make them work now, but I feel like I don't still don't know what I'm doing. And I'm three, I'm two years into spending a lot of money on Facebook ads, but I'm sure there are people that know them much better than I do. So yeah. Yeah. The Facebook like, I, didn't, like, I was an interior designer major. I didn't major in marketing or advertising. Yeah. So yeah. So like when people ask me and like kids ask to say they want to be a writer, what should they major in? I'm like, don't major in creative writing. I said major in marketing or advertising or some kind of business because you're going to have to run a business. So true. Yeah. Whether you're traditionally or self, because yes. that was my next question. You are hybrid. You you're both yeah. correct. You have yeah. Traditionally, so she's so you've got self published books and then you've got traditionally published books. I do too. And it's one of those things where it doesn't matter if it's a self published book or a traditionally published book, we are still the ones marketing those books for yes. the most part. Like, yeah. You know? So, yeah, because I, like, I, had, I sold a series that I thought was for a lot of money and I thought, oh, they're going to put, a, you know, they're going to do a big push on this. And they just had a, they ran a couple of really sad looking Facebook ads. And even back then I could have done a better job of, and I was like, that's it. Like, (laughs) that's all you're doing. Yeah. So yeah, you definitely have to, unless you're like selling your book for a million dollars or more, you're going to have to come up with your own marketing plan. So yeah. And to me, I think that was the biggest shock. I was like, but I was like, you know, I'm like, I got all this money. Like, don't you guys want to, want to put some budget behind it? I know, (laughs) know, right? Yeah. Like, no, you guys want to make it when they're like, and and then it was like the marketing ideas, like Jen, you should tell your audience that you have a new book. And I'm like, okay, got it. Next. Now what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I sold, so I sold a series to an Amazon imprint, 47 North. It was my first series I sold. And I was still like in the heyday of like trying to like multi- multiple marketing plans. Like I had done a lot to take Rose from selling 2000 books, the the first month, the third book released to two books later hitting the U S today list and the yep. six, you know, and then three books later hitting the New York times list. So like I put a lot of multi-tiered plans into place with that. So, so when it came time to do the marketing and I like sent this very long email to 47 North, the marketing guy, I was like, okay, so let's do this. And I thought we could do this. And he's like, um, no, we just like, Put it out there. Like, <laughs> I'm like, slow your roll. We don't do any of that. Like, no. We'll just like, we'll like put a newsletter out. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although Amazon, I will say, if you could be the one, if you, the one good thing about an Amazon imprint, I think, is that if they could get you the ad, like I have the Kindle that has ads. So yes. every time I open my Kindle, there's an ad on the front. And yes. it used to be, I used to see your books a lot in that ad because yeah. they know exactly who has bought, who yes. they know who your audience is. They know exactly yes. who, yeah. who to target. And so yeah. that is the one nice. And I can, I did, I do buy a lot of those ads. I do too. <laughs> Cause I'm, right? cause I'm yeah. like, yeah, you guys are right. I do like this one. <laughs> one, one click. <laughs> so, exactly. So, they do have that. They're probably just like, don't worry, we've got you know a billion Kindle users. It's fine. Yeah. We'll, get, we'll make sure they see your book. 
So I'm like, how do I get that ad? Can I buy that ad? Because that would be great. You <laughs> so. actually can. It costs a lot, a lot, a lot of money. Oh, yeah. I don't have that. So maybe <laughs> maybe I can talk to Random House and see. Just like, there you hey, go. Guys, they should hey, guys, totally will you do that? You. Yeah. Will you do that? Will you do that for me, please? All right. So you've hit the New York Times, the Wall Street, was it the Wall Street Journal, yes. and USA Today bestselling lists. Yes. All of them. Those are there anything else? Are there any other ones out there? Those are the three, aren't they? There's probably Amazon charts. Oh yeah. I don't think I've hit that. If I did, I didn't know it. But I don't think yeah. I did. Yeah. I found out that my book The Substitute was one of the best selling books of two thousand and fifteen, sixteen. I didn't even know it. It was in the top one hundred. Like I didn't like I didn't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> sent me a memo <laughs> on Amazon. Like, so, like, the same thing happened to me with 28 and a half wishes. So back early in the day, you had to have a Mac to like upload to Apple, right? And so mm-hmm. I didn't have a Mac. And so you could do it through this site called Smashwords, which is still mm-hmm. in existence, but I don't use. There's other things that are much more sleek to use. But like I had like put my books up for sale and I hardly sold anything on that site or Barnes and Noble. And then I went into KDP select, which is making your book exclusive. And then readers could borrow one or two books a month. I can't remember. And they'd get them for free, you know, if they were a prime Prime subscriber. Mm -hmm. And so we would get paid full price and then it went down anyway. You know, there are many versions. It's like an early version of Kindle unlimited. And so um, I went into that because my sales started slipping and I wasn't selling anywhere else. But then that started becoming less effective. And I pulled out and I went back into everything wide. Um, And then I'd done my perma free for Rose. And I just, you know, they had the whole process. Anyway, um, Apple reached out to me in December of 2013. And they're like, hey, we just want to let you know that you're going to, your book is going to be listed as our top, one of our top thrillers of 2013. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, since you're like such a big seller here, we, you know, like you have a rep and stuff now. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> because I like made a perma free in October and I hadn't paid any attention and I hadn't got paid yet because mm-hmm. um it was like in the top ten. That book was in the top ten on Apple and had been for like weeks and weeks. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Whoops. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway. Oh um, I know. Like, yeah. That's why you have to have Google alerts. You got to have like Google alerts. Set I know. Up I do have Google alerts now. So yeah. So I, like, that's how, I, that's how I found out to hit the New York Times. <laughs> and a lot of my success, I, I totally attribute to luck because when Apple put out there, it used to be that you had to download the book app and then they made some update and then the book app was part of your phone. You didn't. You had to remove it if you wanted. And when they did that, my book was number one on the free 20 and a half wishes number one on the free store in apple so then every like i got lots and lots and lots of lots. downloads from that and sell through so i mean that's pure luck right <laughs> so i mean we can try everything we can like some it's, it's, it's a, some people will say it's all hard work some people will say it's no. all luck i see it's a combination of the two Definitely. being in the right place at the right time and sometimes you might not be and sometimes you might be so yeah well and I think it's trying a lot of stuff that's the other thing like you're always yeah. trying new things like I'm always yeah. sort of watching you can't just 
you know, it's like, look how we've talked about, like all these different things that no longer, you know, that were like, well, I used to do Smashwords yeah. and I don't anymore. I used to yeah. do, you know, BookBub. It's not working as effectively now. Like, you yeah. know, all these different things, Permafree is over now. So it's like you're, you have to constantly evolve and try new things yeah. and not be afraid to try new things. I mean, and not everything's going to work. Like not everything, right. like there's going to be things where you're like, well, that was a bust, but okay, we yeah. tried it. Next. Sometimes you're going to lose money and sometimes yeah. you're not. <laughs> But yeah, I'm the right. queen and I'll try anything. I'll try pretty much anything. So yeah. Because and yeah, you, you have, have like I've seen where you've on. like like you've done a whole book like through your newsletter. Like remember when you did that? Like yeah. you know, if you subscribe yeah. to Denise's newsletter, like what was it, weekly? Every week you'd get yeah, a new piece of the book? weekly and then I just couldn't keep up. So, yeah. yeah. And that was kind of freaky because I was writing a mystery one week at a time. <laughs> I, like, wrote the first part. Like, I had them in parts at first. So I wrote the first part and then released it. And I was writing the second part while I was releasing the first. And then I got caught up. And then I was, like, <laughs> got behind on my other stuff and so then it, sometimes there'd be gaps and then sometimes then I'd be like oh shit like I wrote that nine months ago like <laughs> what did I say so, who yeah. died I forgot who did it <laughs> oh I don't necessarily recommend that with a mystery <laughs> so it was a serial yeah in my yeah newsletter. it was and it's still it, to me because a lot of times what I'll do is I'll release things like a novella in my newsletter chapter by mm -hmm. chapter or I used to do by parts. And then that's because that's how I got newsletter subscribers with Rose. I realized it was a discoverability issue. People didn't know about the books because they were very highly rated. I was either I need to stop writing these or I need to like figure out how to make them sell. And I realized the reviews were super high. So it was a discoverability issue. Two, readers didn't show up for the next books. So that meant they didn't yeah. know they were there. So I'm like, okay, I need to like, stupid I need a newsletter that actually like actually works so I needed to get people to sign up right. <laughs> well, see, the newsletter was like because I remember like many many years ago like I went to some party that you hosted with some friends of yours who were also independent writers and and we, at that time you know I had a really big platform on social media but I didn't have a newsletter and I remember like somebody there was like oh you need a newsletter I'm like oh I'm good like I got a platform because in those days the platform it showed yeah. everybody everything, you know? Yeah, so I was like, exactly. oh, I'm super good. Like, yeah. everybody sees my stuff. I'm fine. And yeah. now I'm like, damn it, I should have started a newsletter. Because <laughs> it's like, I'm always, now my newsletter is like, because that's the thing. If you are a brand new author getting started, or even if you are a year, an author who is 10 years into the business, get yourself a damn newsletter because yeah, it is the only thing you can control. And exactly. I took way too long and figure out creative and interesting ways to get people on it, which I still have not done yet. Denise is much better at that. <laughs> Subscribe to her, her newsletter and and <laughs> stay like for the content, stuff. but like learn what she does yeah. too. Yeah, no, they like free content. So that's how I like. So between October 1st and January 12th, I think is when that book, the next book came out. I signed up 5,000 newsletter subscribers. Wow. Because I offered a free novella in three parts. So I wrote it and then I released the first part October 1st, November 1st, December 1st. And so they could read it on my website. There was a passcode, there's a password to get in. And then after, so I left it and then it was like, I left it on my website for several weeks after. And then I put it up for sale and I sold, 50, I sold like 60,000 copies of that news, that novella I wrote. So not only then, so that like it serves a dual purpose. So what? I got it, I gave it to them for free to get them to sign up. 
And then I started charging for it. So, and it's, I mean, yeah, I think I've sold 60 or 70,000 copies of that novella. So, yeah. That's crazy. Well, see, and for me, like, I saw you guys all doing novellas, and I was like, how can I do a novella for nonfiction? Like, there's no such thing. Like, and so I just started taking my whole thing is like, my books all have a theme, but I'll have these stories that don't fit anywhere, but right. I can't write a whole book about them. So I just would like package like three of them together oh, no, and then brilliant. I would sell them. And so I was yeah. just like, these are just like, you know, the B sides, like you just, you don't know what this is. And right. those for me, those have been great, almost like a lead in marketing. Cause I think I only charge like yes. 99 cents or a dollar 99 yeah. or something like yeah. that for them. So they're really cheap. So people can take a chance on it. And yeah. then you know, I've sold thousands and thousands of those and then they lead into the books. And so, so, you know, so, and that's what I mean when I say like, you can take Denise's ideas and you can just incorporate them into whatever you're doing because it's, it works. The idea, the concept works. You just got to figure out how to mold it to whatever you're writing. Yeah. So so like with Angela and I, we're we're co-writing these rom-coms. So I realized we needed our own newsletter, right? Because not all Mm -hmm. of my readers, some of them are mystery readers and they're not interested in romance at all. So I risk like, you know, like just annoying the shit out of them if I'm sending them things constantly about my rom-com stuff. I mean, I still have to hear about it. Sorry, (laughs) I wrote it. So you got to hear. But like we can focus much more on that kind of stuff with our newsletter. So we so then what we did to get people to sign up is we had a bonus chapter. So if they the end of the book, if they go and they fill their name in a form, if they're not a subscriber, it subscribes them. But if they are mm-hmm. a subscriber, it just records that they, you know, it says, okay, yeah, you're in, you, you get to read it. And we have now, we have about 8,200 newsletter subscribers. And we started last September, about a, um, not crazy. quite a year ago. So that's yeah. awesome. All through the so what made you decide to start like writing, co-writing with people just because you're just tired or? <laughs> uh, a little bit. And then a little bit as I have so many, oh, so many ideas, like people will message me. I have an idea. I'm like, uh, Please stand in line. I've got so many other things <laughs> on my own, right? It's weird because, you know, from like 2016 on, there was a lot of like, you know, there was a lot of, I don't know, everything just felt like chaotic and depressing and people, you know, there's a lot of, yeah, what without getting political, Why? Why like there was a way? lot of people that were just very unhappy. And yes. so I could just tell that rom-coms because they kind of like fell out of favor. Like I just tell that rom-coms were going to be a thing that people wanted. They just wanted something light and happy, but I just didn't have time to write that in my schedule. And so my developmental editor, she's great. Like I had um, co-wrote a book with someone and then like she would like to first write the first draft and then I would go through and heavily edit it. And like, we would come up with the plot. She'd write the first draft because I much prefer revising, believe it or not, <laughs> to first drafting. But like there was, so Angela, like she usually will tell me like, oh, you need to beef this up or whatever. And so she had like filled in a section for me and I could tell that, you know, that I was like, "Hmm, I wonder if she's like a frustrated writer. (laughs) Like She's an editor, but she would like to write. So I was like, would you be interested in like co-writing something with me? And she was like, yeah, definitely. And so first though, we wrote a mystery. We wrote a mystery together, which I still would like, we haven't done anything with it. Because I told her, I said, I'm not sure how to market this. Because it ended up being like a, a little bit of sci-fi to it. It's I called it cross between the Umbrella Academy and Pretty Little Liars. 
So. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I know, right? And so I really liked it, but we didn't do anything with it. And we were going to revi- we were looking for an editor because she couldn't edit it. We were looking for a developmental editor to go through it because we could tell it was missing something, but I, we couldn't quite figure out. So during that, I was like, got the idea for rom com. So I'm like, okay, let's let's switch. Let's let this set and switch to rom com. So that's what we did. We've released um, five books and two novellas, and we started a year and, and a half ago. So. This is this is like your. I'm looking at the list here. This is like the Jingle Bell Hell one. Yes. Is that, yeah. Okay. Yes. So yeah. A. R. Casella and Denise yeah. Grover Swank are the yeah. co-authors, and then you also have like some sort of. You have another co-author that you wrote. I re- I read Women's that too. Fiction. Women's fiction. Yeah, Christine Gale. And that was yes. Some ideas are just like larks, like. We were like we were chatting one day, and um, we could see that women's fiction was kind of like growing again. And so Shannon was like, "Denise, Christine, this is totally in your wheelhouse. You guys should write some women fiction." And um, it was another case of, "Oh, I got so much going on. I don't know if I have time." And Chris was the same way. So I'm like, "Hey, one of us said, hey, let's co-write it." And we're like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> let's do that." And so yeah, we wrote that first book in like two weeks because. We plotted it. Chris is very much a plotter and I'm not. And so it was almost like I was writing a chapter in the morning, sending it. She was writing a chapter at night. I And we were writing two chapters a day, like solid. And it would take about two weeks to get that book done. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> they don't oh always gosh. work that way. Yeah. <laughs> so the other thing I want to talk to you about, so not only do I think that you do a great job writing, marketing your books, your newsletter is amazing. You also manage a Facebook group that I think is super fun. I really like your readers group. Can we talk about your readers group a little bit? Yeah, I realized back a long time ago that, so I knew that some romance authors had street teams and I wasn't really writing romance back in the beginning, but I thought but I had readers telling me that they could, that they were telling other people about my books and they were writing the names of the books on um, receipts and, and giving them out. So it first started out as a group for people who wanted to help promote me. And I would send them like little trading cards with the cover of the book and then they could pass them out. But that got to be too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them were going through them, man. Yeah. Like, so it kind of started with that. Like we started off with a group that was a street team. There was probably like 20, 30 people in it. And then those people became reviewers too. And then it just all just kind of built and built. And then I opened it up to other readers. And um, I think I have about 7,300 people in that group now. Yeah, I'm more active than at other times, sometimes than others. Like if I'm super busy, then I tend to not go in there as much. But I try to go in there at least once or twice a week. Sometimes I'm not that great. But I also, it's a great resource for like to ask readers things. They love to be involved. So when I got asked to write a paranormal women's fiction, which is women's kind of a women's fiction book with paranormal aspects, it was as a genre that KF Breen and Shannon Mayer created. I decided I was going to crowdsource that entire book. And I did. Every character in the book was named by readers. Um, their jobs, their chill, you know, different aspects about things that happened. It was like kind of a choose your own adventure. I got to a certain point. Okay. Do you want to do this or do you want it to do that? 
And they didn't know you were picking blind. They didn't know anything. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. That was super fun. To, it was a ton of work. I had multiple spreadsheets. I'm the queen of spreadsheets. So I had many, Me many too. spreadsheets of that and like going through and picking things. And so then at the end of the book, I like named everybody who like picked what character and stuff. But then like, I'm getting ready to start a new series and I'm like, I, it's, I want it to be an amateur sleuth. So like, well, what kind of job can this person do? That oh, I saw that. What did you come up with? Yeah. So I asked readers to give me ideas. I mean, I told them I like, she needs to be able to have flexibility in her schedule. So I feel like I picked the same job. So I'm like, give me ideas. Right. So <clears throat> I think they like that. And it's a huge help to me. Like, I don't have to like, yeah. Anyway. Did you come up with a job? No. <laughs> uh, I haven't picked yet. I haven't I have picked to, yet. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I haven't. I'm still trying to sort that bo- that series out in my head. So, yeah. An amateur sleuth. So, like, uh, what was the little lady that our moms used to always watch? Um, Jessica. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, it was Murder, she wrote. Murder, Jessica. she wrote. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like she was a mystery writer though, wasn't she? Yeah. But I feel like she always solved crimes though. She, someone always oh, she died. Did. Like, she did. She did. And that's, that, <laughs> was it Cabot Cove? Yeah, I, maybe. I watched a few episodes of that show, but I hear people talk about it. Like there was like people joke about how many murders there are in one small town. <laughs> like, Don't ever move there. <laughs> right. It's true. Yeah. So, yeah. That's or, the, like, the murder mystery writer. My mysteries tend to be amateur sleuths. So like, it's super hard because like with Rose, she was solving mysteries. So I'm like, how many dead bodies can one person happen upon? Right. (laughs) I think you just have to let go of that. Like you just, you know, murder she wrote didn't care. They didn't care. They just kept finding more dead bodies. Nobody ever complained. Yeah. So yeah. So the new series, I'm like, well, I think she's going to So like Rose actually had an paranormal ability she could read she could see the future for people so i'm like so do i give this new character an ability where she can and you know like a police officer would come to her and ask for help so i i i I have the ability in mind i just don't know if i'm gonna use it she can so because i actually angela and i used it in our mystery and angela's the one who suggested it to me so in the mystery we wrote the but they had paranormal bills and my character could tell if someone was lying like she always just knew so like she just she didn't have to read anything she just knew they're lying or they're Mm. telling the truth or it's ambiguous so i may have my character in this new mystery series be able to tell a lie but do you want him to be able to tell like always or sometimes like there's just, <laughs> do I want right. that? Or do she you just, have like the one person like, that can psych? fool them? Yeah. Is she like psych and she can just like read them, read their body language. Or is this a true psychic ability? Like there's still a lot of things I'm working out for. In okay. My head, so, yeah. So that's crazy. Yeah. Because then I don't want it to be a cozy because mm. cozy is cutesy and no language and no sex. And I definitely have all that stuff. So, <laughs> well, so it's more like a Janet Ivanovich, you know, kind yes. of situation where it's funny. Well, she's a bounty hunter, but yeah, like but using idea, that though. comparison is the kiss of death. Like people, you never measure up to that. Although I have personal feelings about how that series went and stopped reading. That's all we need to know to know my personal feelings. Yeah. No, I just felt like there was no character growth. So, you know, people obviously like that. Some people don't want character growth, but yeah. Anyway. Well, it's a good fast plot. I think is really what it 
you know, yeah. it's like, it just keeps it going. Yeah. It's funny. Are you on TikTok at all? Do you go on a TikTok? A little. I've tried to do some TikToks. <laughs> my, my best TikTok is me showing. A, so we went on a beach vacation this summer or in the spring to Outer Banks. And there was a pier down the road and I made my children walk down there because it looked close, right? It turned out it was two <laughs> miles away. We walked two miles in the sand. <laughs> we, like, we hadn't even got there. And they're like, we're tired. We, I'm like, we're almost there. <laughs> I can't do them now. So I like posted a picture of that and said I made my children walk there. That was like my most popular TikTok. I had like 700 views. <laughs> There you go. Well, I was going to say because I'm obsessed with TikTok and I watch TikTok more than I watch TV now, I think. And it's kind of, it's bad. But there was a woman the other day who I was watching and she has psychic abilities. And so she said that a police officer stopped into her store or something. I'm not quite sure. And he asked her, she said, how's it going? And he said, oh, I've been in, and he named a city where he'd been and it wasn't close. It was like far, a couple hours away. And she goes, oh, were you, were you by the river? And he was like, how'd you know I was by the river? And she's like, uh, and, and she was worried that she was going to look like a suspect. Right. (laughs) And so, and then she talks about like follow up that like he comes back later and he's like, I don't care how you know it. I don't care. I don't want to know any of this. Cause she's like, I kind of see things. He's like, I don't want mm -mm." just, he's like, what do you know about the river? He's like, tell me what we're missing. And she did. And, oh, and wow. so That's you could, so cool. you know, so your, your sleuth could like, I don't know, work in a convenience store and the police oh, officer, the sheriff could come by. <laughs> That's what I was thinking about. I was like, oh, like this lady was just like, I have these abilities. And he's like, mm-mm, nope, nope. Mm-mm, just tell me what you know. <laughs> he's like, I don't care how I get the information. I just need it. Like, we just, we just got to find whatever. She's like, I don't know what they're looking for. I just know it's by the river and, you know. And wow, and that's she's awesome. Like, yeah, and I was sort of like creepy, like you know, I, I know, like, right? I gotta check her out, man. Yeah, <laughs> you, have send, you have to send me a link. <laughs> I will. Okay, I'll find it. And I'll send it to you. Yeah. It, yeah. No, I and because the other thing I'm watching on on TikTok a lot is Book Talk. We got to get on Book Talk. We got to figure out how yeah. to do this. Yeah, I mean, they are making books go crazy. Books that you know, and it's not even new releases. It's yeah. like, it's yeah, like my backlist. friend. Um, Erin McQuestion, she um, has a book that came out several years ago, and I'm pretty sure Book Talk put it there. I haven't like truly examined this to know for sure, but it just stayed like it was number one on. It keeps becoming number one on Amazon. When I checked yesterday, it was number three, and we're talking weeks, weeks, and weeks. I know. I mean, she's not doing anything. I'm, you know, she probably has some minor advertising going on, but it's not her. Because no. she was completely shocked. She told me she was completely shocked when this happened. So I'm like, the only thing I can think of is it's book talk on TikTok. Because that's the crazy thing about TikTok is you can post, well, usually it's not the author. It's other mm-hmm. readers. It's, that's what's effective is other readers talking about the book. And those readers will find that book without a link. Because we've been taught you never post your book without a link. Because they're not right? going to look it up. You got to make it easy. And those readers are going and finding those books with no links whatsoever. That's None. crazy. Half of them don't way. even have a book. Like half of them do like the green screen thing where they just hold their hand up and they put a little tiny Kindle, you know, cover. Yeah. And they're just like, and you're looking at it on your phone. So it's just like, and, yeah. and, but I'm like, walk, you know, I'm watching them and going, yeah, it's never the author promoting their own book. It's always a trusted yeah. reviewer. Yes. And, and it's always, 
just kind of word of mouth and it, and yeah. you know, and, and then you'll see, you'll see the backlash where you'll see somebody will say like, all these books are popular on TikTok and I think they're trash and this is why, you know, right. and it's like, all right, cool. You know, for me, like a bad review, still a review. So thanks. All then, right. You know, <laughs> you, right. it, didn't you? you know, you're yeah. welcome. But like yesterday or the day before I was in Barnes and Noble and they had like a whole TikTok table, like, oh wow, you know, they had, you know, you saw it on TikTok, which yeah. Back in the day, when my first People I Want to Punch in the Throat book came out, there were a lot of us coming out of like the blogging world that had books. And they used to make tables like that where they say like, you write it on the internet first or whatever. Oh, that's cool. And and I sold a lot of books that way when they were sitting on those tables. And so I'm just like, how do we get our books on those TikTok tables? Like, how do we? I know, (laughs) know? right? No, I said that too. We need to figure out who who the influencers are. Send them books. You have to, (laughs) but I haven't done it. See if they like it. Because I think- that's the other thing. It's not like you can like pay them or, you know, bribe them in any way. It's just they have to connect with the book and like it. And when yeah. they do, man, they yeah. can't stop talking about it. And we all know world, word of mouth is like the way to do this. So yeah, exactly. It's just yeah. kind of interesting. TikTok, right? Yeah. If you yeah. can just be a couple of people that were influencers interested in reading your book. But the thing is, yeah, you can't spam them. You can't like send it to them. You have to like offer it and if they Mm -hmm. want it yeah because i i don't want now to be the result of people going and spamming book (laughs) here's my book read it review it yeah (laughs) i would never do that you always ask permission and you never want to come across as annoying or presume that they want to read it they may not right thing so well i think that's the thing like i really haven't seen any of them do anything in my genre so It's a lot of YA. It's a lot of women's fiction. Yeah. It's a lot of mystery, yeah. you know, horror. Yeah. Even I see, I follow a guy who yeah. does horror only. So I feel like the nonfiction is really a lot of self help. And so we'll see. Yeah. I don't know. Well, yeah. It's kind of health. So <laughs> kind of, a little bit, you know. I don't know. Oh, dear. Well, what about All your right, midlife so I, book coming out? Is that self-help in any way? I haven't read it yet. Yeah. I've got a copy, but I haven't read it yet. So yeah, yeah, I think they'll probably. I think it'll fall into into self-help somehow. Yeah, I just don't know. It's always hard to shelve me. No one knows where to put me. <laughs> so. Yeah, I kind of have that problem too. Because like yeah. with Rose Gardner, it was mysteries, a little bit of women's fic, a little bit of coming of age, a little bit of romance, a little bit of, of paranormal. So mm-hmm. yeah, when I like tried to get an agent with that book, no one wanted that book. I got hardly any requests. Nobody wanted it. So see, yeah. that's when you do like the um, pretty woman like meme, like, big mistake with all the yeah. <laughs> big mistake. I know, right? <laughs> you should have, you should have, you should have signed me. They would have been, been amazing. Know, series would have never done well if a publisher got it because they didn't know what to do with it and they yeah, wouldn't have given it a chance like the third book out like they did fairly well like it did okay i mean there's different versions of good like right mm-hmm. people have different versions of what good is like my first book my su- idea of success was to sell a thousand books in six months and that was my idea of okay i did this i was successful and i hit that in two and a half but yeah. like but and it you know and I thought it was successful. But then like I released my urban fantasy book that I'd shelved because I'd been trying to get an agent and released it next to totally different audiences. And back then bloggers, book bloggers were actually effective. So mm-hmm. I I got two book blog tours back to back for that urban fantasy, and then 
that was in the top 100 for quite a time, quite a while. So, you know, and so then I was an urban fantasy author anyway. Yeah. So like, so by the time I got back to Rose and the third book came out, a publisher would have just said, well, that's it. Cut our losses. We're done. And, you know, I tried to figure that out too. I realized I had to look at it like a business, but the reviews were really strong and the readers who loved it, loved it. So of the whole series. So I'm like, okay, this is a discoverability issue. It's not a, it's not an issue with the book itself. And it's probably a packaging issue. So like I changed book covers and, you know, I figured out how to find those readers and it worked, but a publisher yeah. wouldn't have done any of that. So they would have just given it up. Now, I think that's something, yeah, that's something else. I think you have to like, when you kind of have a foot in both worlds, you have to decide. So when you're writing a book, do you decide right from the beginning, like I'm going to self-publish this one or I'm yeah. going to give this one to my yeah. agent? Yeah. Yeah. So like my Carly Moore series, my grand central publisher who published, so this, the wedding pack did really well and grand central approached me and asked me to write a series for them. It was a rom-com series called the bachelor brotherhood. And so they wanted me to write more books for them. And so she knew she, she, wanted to talk to me and she said, well, what have you got cooking? And I said, well, I've got this mystery series. That's an offshoot of Rose that I'm going to, that I'm getting ready to start. Um, Cause I usually plan things well out. And like, oftentimes I know a series a year ahead of time. Like I trying to just write. Yeah. I'm trying to get there. What's that? She like? wanted it. <laughs> she wanted that series. And I told her no, that I wasn't going to mm. sell that series to them. Uh, <laughs> so, um, why? Why won't you um, sell it to I just them? knew that they wouldn't do the, I'd seen how they marketed the first series. I just knew that yeah. they wouldn't market it. I mean, so okay. like the first, the series that they had, I mean, you have to, when I sell to a publisher, it's for a goal. And so that goal was to get in a bookstore to be in Barnes and Noble because my indie books aren't in Barnes and Noble. They won't stock them. So, because right. uh, they can't return them, right? So that was my goal and hoping to get readers that way. And I didn't get nearly as many readers as I hoped, but, you know, a couple of years ago, it was probably about four years ago, I bought a new car and I was in the office, like with the salesperson and he had gone to talk to somebody somewhere and he was like, hey, this woman in finance, she wants to know if you're Denise Grover Swank. <laughs> and I said, yeah, he says, she's, she says she's read your books set here in Kansas city, your, your romance books. So, so yeah. So, I mean, there are people out there. She bought it at Barnes and Noble, right? So <laughs> there are people out there. I did get some readers, but that was, I knew I was going to, but here's the thing is I knew I'd lose money by selling yeah. it to them. I knew that going in, I knew I could sell more copies on my own because I would take risks and do marketing things that they wouldn't, but I couldn't get in bookstores. So every time I sell to a publisher, it's with a goal in mind. Mm -hmm. I have an idea that everyone I tell to is like, I just told it to my son's girlfriend this weekend. And she's like, why I want to read this book already. Like I told her three sentences and she was like, I want this book now. And I want to <laughs> give it to my agent to sell, but it's like, it's uh -huh. a spec project, right? So, you know, I got a kid in college. I got a kid in private high school. <laughs> got a lot of dogs. I got to make money. So, like, I got to make sure I don't have huge gaps between my releases. Otherwise, I'll lose readers. So, I got to, and I'm co-writing in between my own releases. So, like, I got to fit it into my, I got to fit it in somewhere. So, well, because that's my question, too. So, like, when I sign a traditional contract, I always have a non-compete that they make me sign that yes. I can't publish on either side of my release date. Yes. And 
you kind of got to, because as a self-published person, I could publish something every Tuesday if I wanted to, every yes. day if I wanted to. You know, I don't know that I'd necessarily recommend that. But as right. a, when you're doing self-pub, though, you do need to keep a much quicker schedule than yeah. a traditional publisher does. Yes. And so that's something I always have to think about. Like, I'm with you. Like, you have to have a goal when you're when you're signing that contract, there better be a goal and it better not just be that advanced because that advance could have to last you. For instance, with Midlife Bites, it's been three, it'll be three years by the time I get the final payment from them from the day we signed. That's crazy because I remember when they approached you. Yeah. (laughs) And and so, because things happen and, you know, the dates get pushed. I mean, every time my books, the the dates have been pushed, sometimes it's me, sometimes it's them. Partly this time it was me because I think I rewrote that book four times, but, you know, and I was just always kind of looking for a different path for it. But yeah. You know, but I, but I'm locked into this non-compete that starts the day that book gets published. Then it's like, okay, from oh. now on, you can't you can't do anything. And so that's something else to really think about that you're tying yes. yourself up into this. Yeah. You're kind of slowing and cooling down that self-publishing iron. And yeah. you know, and for me, well, I've been able to write a bunch, but otherwise, I could, but I can't publish it. It's all just sitting there. Like I keep asking my agents, I'm like, how soon can we publish again? <laughs> Right. Well, and like, there's also like they often have in their clauses, like they have right of first refusal. So that means the next book you write, they, you have to give it to them for them to look at and make you an offer. You don't have to take it, but that like really can like delay you publishing if, you know, write the book and then you, you have to wait for them to like, you can have it put in there. Like I had clauses that they had 30 days to look at it before. I did too. Um, yeah. So, um, before they could refuse it, but like, um, some of them I've just said, I will give it to you, but, but I can still publish, like I can still publish other things. And it had to be right. within that specific genre of what they wanted. Yes. And there was like a time limit after that too. Like it couldn't be like indefinitely. Yeah. It couldn't be like, if I write another rom-com 10 years from now, you get to look at it. It's like, within a certain time after right. the release of the last book. So, and right. those are like, they'll right. try to get all that stuff. Those are like boilerplate contracts where they wanted to, I couldn't publish six months on either side of a release. And I'm like, that is never going to fly. I'm never going to sign that. Never. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we moved it to 30 yeah. days on either side of a release date. So, but I was like, okay, you got to let me know because I got to plan my own releases around either side of these. Well, yeah, that's the thing. And I think to me, that's where my agents have been really helpful. Like, I think a lot of times, you know, authors are like, oh, why do I need an agent? I can, yeah, you learn this stuff from yourself from experience too, but then they can also just narrow the scope of things. And, you know, this time I have a much tighter non-compete that's more in my favor. It's still... You know, there there's still just things I can't get around, and yes. and the publisher gets the first look, but I think they get the first look at whatever comes after Midlife Bites or something like that. Like right. I don't think they get the first look at just anything that I've written, and yes. you know, and then and we wrote in like I think two books. We wrote them into the contract that like I can self publish these two books, you know, at some point, yeah. yeah, in that time period, and you know, and that sort of thing. So that because I was like, I have to eat. <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. And like you're you I mean, you're going along so well at this point that, you know, I know there's a lot of authors who like, you know, they count on their money, but you know, they have another spouse who provides. And I know you, you know, your husband also, you know, just real estate and stuff, but like mm-hmm. I you I, you're counting on your money. It's income. So you can't just like mm-hmm. a, can't just say, Oh, well, I I'm gonna go without three months without any kind of income. <laughs> and you gotta yeah. like 
figure that out too. Yeah. So. Right. Right. Yeah, and so then you got to make that backlist work. That, like, I, you know, I, I think of my, you know, I'm a publisher of my own books. So I'm my mm-hmm. own publisher. And so like I tried to get back into urban fantasy and it just didn't go well. And, you know, I can release a book and I always release a week. I always earn back everything I put out and then make profit. It just depends on how much, right? Mm-hmm. But like the third book of this urban fantasy series, I did not break even that week. I did not pay off everything. And and so it took me um, a month or so before I like earned out all of the, because I spent a lot of money on covers and editing and stuff. Yep. I would probably say I spent at least $4,000 Mm-hmm. To get a book out without any marketing, without any marketing dollars, that's just right. that's editing, just editing and covers. covers. Yeah. yeah. So, like, readers want the fourth book, and I want mm-hmm. to write the fourth book, but I'm like, y'all have to realize that I'm not going to make any money on the fourth book. So, if I do this, it's a pity project. Right? <laughs> <laughs> do you ever abandon? Do you ever abandon a series? Did you abandon? Yeah, it? because I would classify this series abandoned at this point. Like, will uh-huh. I write that fourth book? I would like to think I would, but it's nowhere on my schedule. So, yeah. And that came out years, several years ago. So, yeah. and I'm sorry. Like, I'm, I, I feel bad because I kind of left it on a little bit of a cliffhanger, but I mean, I don't know. It's weird well, because like my readers were obsessed with Rose Garner and some of them wouldn't read anything else. And so I ended Rose Garner. And now I find readers are now going and reading stuff that I've written previously that they wouldn't touch before. So, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. But I don't think there would be enough of them to justify writing the fourth book. I've thought about writing it as a serial in my newsletter, but not enough people care about it. Because the whole point of putting things in a newsletter. read the first half of it. Yeah, because <laughs> I put whatever it is at the bottom of the newsletter, so I got to scroll yeah. through all of it. So, sorry, <laughs> it's a small price to pay to read something for free, right? <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah, I, I have abandoned, I have abandoned things and reluctantly, but as a, but I'm a single parent with yeah. children and bills and dogs and <laughs> Well, and it's one thing to me, it's one thing to look at it with a cold eye of, you know, is this going to be a profitable adventure? Is this worth my time to do this? But the other thing too is, and maybe, maybe it's all connected, but if I'm not feeling it, I don't want to write it, you know, and maybe I'm not feeling it because it's not selling. I don't know. But yeah, those two often go hand in hand because it's very frustrating, especially when you love something so much, a series. I loved Piper Lee and Calstar series. And so when readers aren't reading it, then it's very frustrating and it's a little depressing. And it's like, there's a, I will not, I will admit there is a little bit of, well, nobody's going to read this. (laughs) Why am I doing this? Why am I doing it? Yeah. Yeah, Unfortunately, I think so. Well, and I think, I mean, God, traditional publishers look at like that all the time. I mean, I had a friend a few years ago, she signed a deal. She had a seven book, she had an idea for seven book series. They signed her to one. And they said, and we'll see how that one sells and then we'll keep going. And I think she got two or three done. And then they were wow. just like, yeah. And and it was seven books. You know, it was like there, she had so much more to go with that series. Yeah. And they were just like, yeah, sorry, not going to happen. Well, that happened with me at 47 North. They bought three books. On proposal, they knew the third book ended with a kind of a cliffhanger. Uh-huh. No one ever told me that they weren't 
you know, but the deal was we would buy three books and then we'll make a deal for the next. After the first one came back, uh, the first one came out. The second one was in edits and I said something about, oh, it said in the copy, it said that it was a trilogy. I'm like, oh no, this isn't a trilogy. And they're like, yeah, no, that's, it's a trilogy. This is all we're doing. And I'm like, mm. but you know, the third book, I got to like replot this whole thing now. Cause the second book was done. Like <laughs> book was done and now wow. I got to take with what you've left me with for the second book and try to wrap this all up in the third book <laughs> yeah so, anyway. <laughs> oh and so okay what are you working on now though you've always got at least two or three projects going yeah, what are you doing right now? okay so um, I'm working I'm- on Carly Moore okay. and then I'm it's the la- next to the last book and then I'm working on a the third book of Angela and I's um bad luck club series and that book will come out in november and then i'm cooking the idea for my humorous mystery which i hope i can like if i I think if i get this all worked out as soon as i finish carly i can start and i'm hoping to release it the first part of december but then i also have another mystery series that's more serious to replace carly um and i probably i'm hoping to release that next spring so, yeah, but that'll be hard because she won't be amateur sleuth. She's going to be a private investigator who used to be a police officer. And so like, okay, so I got called for jury duty. Like I get called for jury duty all the time. So I got called for jury duty for U.S. District Court. And so they're doing the questioning. And so you have to fill out a form and then the judge says, okay, he goes, so he, he says, so you're a, you're a mystery writer. So you know about like police procedure. And I said, barely. I said, this is why I write amateur sleuths. So I don't have to know any of that stuff. That just stumbles in and ruins your mind. So, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so like, but I realized that with amateur sleuths, you're so limited because you don't know that stuff. So I've done like Writer's Police Academy like three years now trying to like learn stuff. But I still like, I feel like I'm like going to be like, oh my God. So that's why I ended up deciding to make her an amateur sleuth. Or I mean a private investigator because she'll know police procedure, but she doesn't necessarily have to follow it. Right. She can still kind of go off. Believe it or not, I've taken private investigator community continuing education classes that actual private investigators take like virtual classes I can learn their procedure and how they do things and yeah so I've been doing that for a couple years because I've been planning to write the series for like two years so well okay hold on so I'm just I'm just going to insert myself into this we need to write a series together okay and our our amateur sleuth is a realtor because I know all the real estate yes! stuff. Yes. And so <laughs> I got all the real estate knowledge. You've got all the PI knowledge. And know, then right? and we're both funny as hell. And we like to find dead bodies everywhere. We can totally do this. Time, so put me on your calendar for 2025. Okay. And I know that I know you're booked out till then. And then we'll do that. <laughs> I might have an opening in 2023. <laughs> oh, well that that's when my contract's available again. So yay. Okay. (laughs) That's when I can write again. So hello. Yeah, we'll just we'll just do that because I can't write. I want to write a mystery, but I don't know how to plot a mystery. I'm always because I am the reader who you know, people always pride themselves on like I knew who it was on page five. I'm like, I was shocked on the last page. (laughs) 
every time I'm like, oh, it was them. <laughs> so, so I really can't write a mystery because I can't figure out the mystery. <laughs> well, I do have an idea that. though for like, I was going to say, I do have an idea that I think we could like work together on my idea for like, I do have an idea for like, vigilante uh, minivan moms who just go around and like, we're like the equalizer, but oh like God. we do it in between soccer practice and you know, oh picking up, picking up the dog from the van. Like, <laughs> like, you know, you got a problem that you can't solve. Let the equalizer moms take care of it for you. <laughs> okay. We'll have to figure out which one we want to work on first. Right. I know. Well, no. You know what? This will be good. Like we'll crowdsource, you know, email us and tell us which one we should write. You guys tell us, there you, go, you know, right. us. we won't do it unless there's someone who's going to read this book. So, I, I know. know. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, I tell, okay. So case in point, I did, I did exactly that. So like I did the, I I did the series mystery thing in my newsletter and I took two existing series that were complete and put two characters together. And so, um, because a lot of readers hadn't read either one of them. And so then they mm -hmm. went back and read the, the stories. But anyway, I was like, okay, so like if I put out a book in either summer of with summer Butler as the main character, would you read it? If I put out a book with Magnolia Steel, would you read it? Are you not interested? I didn't get enough, didn't get enough interest oh. in the, so I'm like, okay, okay well, then. you told me and I'm listening. <laughs> ouch. Well, I hear you, but ouch. Yeah, no, I'm like, yeah, but some people are like, oh my God, I want it so bad. Write it now. And then other people are just like, no. And that's cool. That's totally cool. Yeah. Like, I want to know that. Tell me now. Don't, don't lie to me. It was all anonymous, but like, don't try yeah. to make me feel like not worry about hurting my feelings and then not buy it. <laughs> right. Well, that's the thing. Right. Don't make me do all this not and then, not, cool, and then right? not have it yeah. not be a good book to sell. Oh, gosh. Well, Denise, we are at the end of our time here, but I just want you to tell everybody where they can find all 60 of your books, your, <laughs> your Facebook group, where they can subscribe to your newsletter, all that. Tell them everything. Okay, it's pretty easy, deniseGroverSwank.com. But then I do have a newsletter or a news a website with Angela, and it's ARCDGS.com. But there's also a link to that on deep, Denise Grover Swank. On Facebook, I'm Denise Grover Swank. My group is Denise Grover Swank's Readers Community. And everywhere you go, there are links to sign up for my newsletter um, on, on my website, my Facebook page, and my group. Yeah, so. And I'll just give one last plug too. If you are someone who is thinking about getting into a career with uh, indie publishing and that sort of thing, Denise and her friends wrote a book called The Naked Truth About yes. Self-Publishing. Yes. And yeah. that book is like my Bible. Everybody wrote a chapter about different, just different things from everything from like self-care to marketing to writing. Yeah. And uh, when I was first getting started and trying to figure all this out, I would read that book and I would refer to it and it's just a great source of knowledge and it Pretty is dated now, but there's still some in things that are apply to, to today. I think a lot of it would still apply. Maybe not so much, you know, some, maybe some of these marketing ideas because the marketing stuff is constantly changing, but a lot of, a lot of the content really applies. And I think you guys should definitely check that book out if you are um, thinking about a career in writing and definitely follow Denise because Denise is, like I said, she's just a wizard. She does it all. She's, she, I don't know. I don't know when you sleep. Cause the other thing too is this is my favorite thing too. Cause like during when we were all locked in, Denise and I did a few of our podcasts over zoom 
And I would say like, what are you doing today? You know, what'd you do today? And she was like, oh, remember when you guys were like doing like making croissants from scratch? And yeah. Like- <laughs> She's like, oh, we all did like sourdough starters. I'm like, oh like, god, you- yeah, I tried to. My he died. That sourdough. Yeah. Starter. She's like, what you did know you what? That sourdough starter was actually um uh like we ended up using that in the book An- Angela and I just released in August. Like she starts the character starts. She gets at the beginning of the book. She's fired from her blogging job because she wrote about her relationship with her sourdough starter. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you And I just heard, I was actually, I was thinking the other day because on NPR they were talking about sourdough starters and this guy has a starter from like the 1800s. And, oh my God. And, and he was just like, oh, you know, it's a living, breathing thing. And it just, it like, is. They are. And I was sort of yeah. like, and I was like, oh, Denise has a starter, but I don't have it. I was like, I don't have no, a starter. I don't, but I'm, yours didn't survive, huh? The best I, starters are what you get from someone else, an existing starter. Those are the best starters. Yeah. I used well, to I think that's really why he really good one at long ago and then it died in a move so yeah <laughs> who knew that these things are so know, touchy right? i just i mean i just go to the bakery they make sourdough bread i just buy it there it's fine yeah it's, it's really <laughs> easier tasty. to just buy it honestly <laughs> all right well thank you denise for coming on today i had so much fun i always have fun talking to you yeah, me and too. please go out and get all of denise's books and join all her clubs and all her groups and all her stuff and tell her which books you like the best so she knows what to keep writing yeah definitely tell me what you like so i know what to write (laughs) but don't tell her what you don't like that's the thing your group is very they kind of forget that denise is in there and they will kind of say mean things and i'm like i want to just come in like mama bear and just be like excuse me (laughs) I know. <laughs> That's quite rude and nobody asks for that opinion. Because it's always when they when we're not when you're not asking for an opinion, you know, you're just like, Pardon I know. me. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> so, those get deleted. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. So yeah, like if, if there is a poll, go ahead and answer the poll. But yeah. otherwise, we don't need your opinion. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Denise. <laughs> Thanks so much. I'll talk Thank to you soon. You. And I appreciate it. Bye. Thanks for having me. Bye. Thanks for listening and subscribing to No Pants Required with Jen Mann. Don't forget to follow me on social media and subscribe to my newsletter at jenmanwrites.com. My newest book, Midlife Bites, Anyone Else Falling Apart or Is It Just Me? will be out in January, but it's available for pre-order everywhere books are sold.